It's Lisa Hawkins, and this is Christian Warrior Woman. We are going to start tonight in the book of Ruth, and we're going to start with chapter one. And we're going to talk about um, Naomi. We're going to talk about Elimelech. We're going to talk about um, her sons, Malon and Kilion. And so what's going on? We're not going to do the whole, I'm going to talk about the first part of this first chapter. First of all, we are in the days of when the judges ruled. And as I mentioned yesterday, this is after um, Joshua died and, you know, Israelites went back and forth with their wayward ways. Let's call it that. And so in this time, there was this family. And I'm going to start in verse one for you. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So when you think about Moab, and you can get out, um, you know, biblical geography and see from where and where um, the distance is, but Moab was a place where there was pagan worship. There were, um, it just wasn't exactly, it was probably, you know, in thinking from a Christian and a holy standpoint from an Israelite of how they should live, they kind of went to live among folks that were the exact opposite and kind of what God had warned them to live apart from these type people who worshiped, you know, many gods and, you know, sex was involved, etc., sacrificing of children, all kinds of things were going on. So the man, verse two, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And bottom line is they were from Bethlehem and they went to Moab to live there. So obviously where they were from, there was famine. And so they went there for, for work. And I'm sure he thought, gosh, with our people, they are, you know, starving and struggling. And why not take my family someplace where, away from my people where they can survive and thrive, etc. So there's a lot of debate on was this a wise decision or not a wise decision, a decision of when if God makes a promise to you and in the midst of that promise, there could be struggle. There could look like that things aren't going to way the way you had hoped or the way maybe that God had promised and you take matters into your own hands. It does look like that because they chose not to stay. It doesn't state in the scripture that the Lord told him to go to Moab. But he made that decision, and it's very clear when it says the famine, and he took his family there. Not only did he take his family there, but they wound up marrying two Moab women. So you're like, wow, you know, that was definitely something the Lord did state that his people should not do. So what happens to them while they're there? So when we go to verse 3, we see now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. 
They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. So can you imagine you you move because you're struggling and you're in famine and you go to another land thinking um, that things would get better and you lose your husband. And then maybe you feel like you have hope because your sons take on wives. So you'll have grandchildren and then your sons die. I don't know about you, how I relate to just this portion of it. Have you ever had like, it just seems like back-to-back struggle. And when you have that back-to-back struggle, you feel like and you realize, gosh, I must be out of the will of God or God has forgotten about me. Or and you can go one or two places. You can either walk away from what you believe because you lose hope and you lose faith and you can waller in depression and just think life is over. And especially for a woman, think about it in those times when a man um, represented your house, represented um, your home, your property, and to not have a man in the home and not to have your sons there and to just be women. And you're in a land of paganism and Moab and you're not exactly the most popular type of folks in this territory either. So imagine how it could, you can easily become victimized and have other things happen. So the one thing, though, is clear. It appears that Naomi has been, you know, because we don't know if Naomi suggested for them to move or she was just being obedient to her husband in following him to Moab. If he said go to Moab, I mean, it appears that um, Naomi went along. So we don't know if it was her choice or him being head of the household, he made that decision. But I, I think where, where we can relate to this piece is we can be in the will of God, and that does not stop struggle and, and stress. And it could be homelessness for some people. It could be addiction for some people. But we can wind up in that dry, wandering desert land where we can't see any fruit coming in the horizon. And can any of you relate to that? I know I can look at seasons in my life where it seemed like, gosh, I did this thinking it would help this. And then this other thing happened. And then it just starts in a spiral. You know, maybe you're in a bad job and you're thinking maybe I should look for a better job. And if you read in the book, I got a great opportunity. Someone tripled, you know, my income to get a higher level position. This is what you work for. This is what you do in your career. And I make this move that winds up, you know, almost giving me a heart attack. But it didn't start out to be something bad. It started out like it was looking like something good. But the one thing that's missing from this scripture, this passage, and the one thing that is probably missing when we struggle in those situations at times is, did we pray and did we ask God first? 
Because you will find, and sometimes that doesn't mean you avoid struggle. Moses had struggle and he heard directly from God what to tell Pharaoh. So I can only imagine when he got there and Pharaoh said no. And he was like, well, dang, the Lord told me to come say this. <laughs> and he should have done this, right? We assume if the Lord tells us this, that we just do this and it's going to happen automatically. Well, the Lord could tell you to do something. I mean, think about it. Think how long it was from when Moses was born and put into the river as a child to protect him that when he set the children of Israel free. It wasn't 10 years, wasn't 20 years, wasn't 30 years. I mean, when he was run out of town, he was gone a very long time. You're talking about 40 years out um, with his family. So when we think that because God told us something to do, that doesn't mean it's next week. So in this situation with Elimelech and his wife, we don't hear that God told him to go to Moab like the Lord told Joseph um, to go to Egypt or, you know, he wasn't given that direction. It appears that he went because of the struggle of his people. And, but where I see God's faithfulness and loyalty is in the fact of what happens with Naomi and why this book is named the Book of Ruth. And what I want you to think about in your journal right now is think about when you've seen multiplications of, I made this decision that I thought was for the better, then this happened. And when I did that, then that happened. And just ask yourself, did you ever hear from God in those decisions? And I think what I've learned in even some of the little, the things that I think are obvious you know, if you're going to make more money or move or great opportunity as a single mom for your children, I saw it as praise the Lord. This is a gift. <laughs> but I should have seek the Lord first. And when I told the recruiter, I need to think about it, I should have told him I need to think about it. But for myself, I should have said, I need to pray about it. And so I want to share this because it will be huge to prevent the things that appear, because the enemy can always bring things that appear to be the next step, the right move, or something that will benefit you. And it can take you off the course that God has for you and that you were already on that would lead to your success. So let's continue in the story. And if you need to pause to make your notes, obviously you can do that now, and then we'll move on to the next thought. Um, next thought. So we're now in verse six. So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come, that the Lord had come, not that they just got lucky, but that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter and daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So it's interesting that in this verse it says, when she heard the Lord had come to the aid. Well, in her mind, the Lord hadn't come to their aid where they were because they didn't wait upon the Lord. You know, it's about 
waiting. And when she heard that, she darted back. So, oops, this didn't work out, obviously. I lost my husband. I lost my sons. I've got daughters-in-laws. We need to go back. Because it actually, in those days, was, was somewhat dangerous for them to be women there in the home alone. It reminds me of the movie. So, with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Interesting, her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And I'm going to stop there. Now, the thing that I find um, key or clue in this passage, people always focus on in, in the beginning about how, wow, uh, you know, about Ruth and, and making this sacrifice. And it is huge. But something that I find interesting that even adds to the power of the story of Ruth and Naomi, because I believe in this book, it, it's Naomi sometimes get gets underrated, but there are some significant things that she says. But I can relate to Naomi in this statement because what does Naomi say in the portion I just read to you? Naomi is thinking from her human mind. And when she says, because Naomi only thinks that they could marry her sons. You see how her limited thinking is limited to her thoughts. This tells me that she knows that her taking two Moab women back with her to Judah, that no one would marry them there. Because why couldn't she take them back to Israel? I mean, to, you know, to Judah, to her people. And the same way they married her sons, they could marry other men 
if they went back with her. But she doesn't say that, and it seems quite obvious that she doesn't seem to even think that's an option. Because she has to go to the point of, I would have to marry someone, and then you'd have to wait for those kids to grow up. That's the only idea that she could come up with, which tells me then she doesn't believe that there is a man in Judah that would marry either one of them. And so when I, when I think of it that way, I think of many of the single women. I live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and I, I meet women who don't believe that they're going to get married or don't believe um, they're going to have children because of their past luck thus far. And I always tell women, you only need one man. And it doesn't matter if there's 50 to one of men to women in Atlanta. You only need one. So that means the other 49 won't have one. But that doesn't mean God doesn't have one for you. And I think sometimes we get caught up in statistics and we get caught up in what we think. And we don't allow that limitless mindset to set in for us to to know that whatever the case may be, God will have a plan for us. So in this scenario, Ruth, which I think um, speaks so high of her character that she makes the decision, your God will be my God. She's a Moab and she comes from worshiping multiple gods. As you heard Naomi told Orpah, go back to your mother's house and your gods. So obviously, Orpah was still worshiping in, in, as the, in the Moab tradition. But Ruth made a decision that she wanted not only to be there for Naomi from a loyalty standpoint, But from a faith standpoint as well, she was making a choice over what she was going to choose to believe and then on top of it, choosing how she would live. Because she also brought into play, she said, your people will be my people, your God, my God. She also knew when Naomi was coaxing her to go back that probably you know, people are going to discriminate against her in Judah. She wasn't going thinking that she would be welcomed. She knew almost going might ensure she not get another husband. But her commitment was to Naomi, and it was to the God that she saw in Naomi. The love, obviously, the love Naomi showed to her daughters was immense because both of them wanted to go with her. Both of them were grief and in crying to separate from her. So we obviously know that the relationship was strong. But in spite of the discrimination or how Ruth may be treated in this future territory, she was committed to stand by Ruth's side no matter the cost. And it reminds us just the same because she said, you're God, you're people, you're God, and you. She made a decision that those three things that she would honor, 
that she would honor Naomi as her mom and as, you know, over her, her guardian and God. So we know already that she has gone with a a commitment of how to live and made a choice. And think about a young woman with no children. And in those days, not having a husband is not something that a wise woman would do. And you're going to a land where they're not supposed to marry women like you. So she wasn't focused on herself. She was focused now on what she knew to be her truth, that her life would be dedicated to living it with Naomi. And I think in this, we so see God. We see God for Naomi. Naomi didn't have to travel and go back alone with nobody. Imagine going back after you left. Talk about gossip and the neighbors. She left with a husband and had sons and they had daughters and she came home, you know, a cursed woman. She came home alone and everyone was gone or dead. What a sad, what a sad position to be in. But Ruth had grace for her mother-in-law. So the two women, the next verse says that, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And this is in scripture. This is me ad-libbing here. Can you imagine the gossip line, ladies? Can you imagine? Look who's coming back. Look how they're coming back, you know, with their tails between their legs. Can you just imagine this situation? So when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And Naomi, she, she goes into humble mumble mode real quick in verse 20 by saying, don't even call, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So... As we can see, Naomi comes back, woe is me. They stir up gossip. You can only imagine what they're t- saying about Ruth and, and about Naomi. But that's not the end of the story. You see, they went back. And so the, the portion that I want to talk about here is that sometimes we go and do our own thing and it doesn't work. And there's no shame, even though we may feel it. We may feel like we have to eat crow. Maybe we have to go back to our parents' house. Maybe, you know, this relationship didn't work and I had to, and my parents told me not to marry them and not move in with this person. And you have to take your kids and, you know, knock on the door of your parents and ask if you can stay there because of an abusive person or he's running around or whatever it may be. 
sometimes we do have to step backwards to go forward. And sometimes we have to admit we were wrong. We made bad choices. And that's okay. That's life. No person, no matter how great their life may look on the outside, it's got mistakes on the inside because we're human and we're flawed and we have those mistakes. But don't let your pride make you stay in an abusive situation where you're being physically harmed or your children are being physically harmed because you're afraid of what other people might say or what gossip may happen. Make that hard choice. Be strong. Be courageous. Make the decision for your safety. That's what Naomi had to do. She had to, with the deaths of the sons and the men in her life, she had to make a decision that would be safe for her daughter-in-laws and herself. And staying there, if you ever read about what life was like in Moab in those days, it would not have been safe or wise for her to stay there. So they left as she said, full, full of hope, full of desire for a better life. I'm sure they went before the coffer was empty and she came back with nothing. And sometimes we lose everything. But what we know we can do is we can come back to Christ. We can come back to the Lord. We can come back and say, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned or I was out of your will. And I need to come back and I need to maybe start again. And what you will find is the Lord will meet you there. So tomorrow we will go to chapter two. But in this chapter, I want you to think about that last key as well in your journal. What are you afraid to admit is a mistake, was wrong, and is it pride keeping you from admitting that? Maybe even to the Lord, maybe even in your prayers. It's hard for you to admit that, maybe to a parent, maybe to a guardian, maybe to a spiritual um, person that you have accountability to. Try to share something that may be holding you back today because admitting you were wrong, the enemy is using shame or fear or doubt or worry to target you about this area. You will feel freedom when you are able to kneel down or able to talk about it out loud. And we're going to go on this journey together to see how Naomi returning home, if it turns into a blessing or does it turn into more regrets? Well, stay tuned as we talk about it tomorrow. God bless.